We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land upon which we meet, the Yagara and Turbal people of the Mianjin Nation, and we pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Marvels, the podcast where we examine Marvel's pop culture paragons from the MCU and beyond through a queer feminist lens. I'm Lisa and the Aranier Chelicere. <laughs> I, I fucked that up. I'm Lisa and my Aranier Chelicere is Dana. Well done. Like, you're <laughs> ambitious on a Sunday afternoon <laughs> trying to say that word. Um, hello, our friendly neighborhood spider people. Uh, there is no denying that superheroes influence and inspire people from all communities, so we want to explore what that representation is, if any, available to lo- viewers from outside a straight male lens. Who better to explore this than your favorite discourse dykes? Yeah, buddy. It's really nice. Okay. We're recording in person. Exactly. So I get to see silly dances and smile and laugh and it's joyous. Yeah, it's awesome. I missed you so much. I missed you so much. Oh my god. <laughs> The reunion is happening and you are it's all happening. privy to it. So this is the first time we've recorded together yeah. because um, uh, we just record separately and we record our own sides and we put them together. So if we end up talking over each other, which we do a lot. I'm really excited. We, we do. And um, if we end up doing that, um, we'll just, well, you'll just have to deal with it because yeah. we're excited and we love talking to each other. Yeah. So yeah. deal with it. I think our voices are nice and clear and distinctive. We don't become one big amalgus blob. Yes. It's all good. No, we're good. Okay. <laughs> so what are we watching? Today uh, we've watched Spider-Man. We've watched, yes. Spider-Man yes. 2002. Yes. Directed by Sam Raimi and David Kep. Again, two white men, although Sam Raimi is Jewish, and starring Tobey Maguire, Kirsten Dunst, James Franco, and Willem Dafoe. He's got a great last name. It's just a supervillain last name. Defoe. It's Willem Defoe. Oh, Defoe. it's great. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you just figured he was the bad guy because his it's name true. is Defoe. And his, and yeah, his face has the ability to look like oh, it's made of plastic. Oh, so he's scary. <laughs> he's scary looking. <laughs> All right. What Those are cheekbones. Our... Okay. Content warnings. Yeah. Uh, mentions of assault against women mm-hmm. um, and anything that comes up we'll write in the description so you'll always be prepared. Yeah, just so. make sure you check there before yes. you just click away on your podcast yes. easy listening. Yes. Are we going to do the... Um, the Queerness? No, the... Uh, nope. Oh, okay. The summary? Yes, okay. Plot summary. Plot summary. Okay, so we start off with... Uh, Peter's telling narrating yes. and... Um, He's like, oh my god, this is the girl of my dreams. She's amazing. She's beautiful. And I wish I was this guy sitting next to her. I'm not even this guy sitting in front of her as he like takes a huge bite of a sandwich. I'm I this guy. And it flashes to outside where he's missed the bus and he's trying to chase yep. it. And he like runs into a bin or something. Yeah, something like that. Or he's just like banging on the side of the bus. And then MJ stands up and is like, stop the bus and gets angry at the bus driver. So we know straight away that she's a nice girl. She's a nice girl. She's a nice girl. Yeah. She doesn't have any other personality. She traits, didn't like she's a stand nice in the girl. door and wait for Peter to get there because we're sure this is a reoccurring thing for many years. But she stopped it once it was started. And they get they they are at this they live at the same place like they are neighbors so they get on at the same bus yeah. stop so she would she didn't stand in the doorway and wait for Peter like she didn't get Peter on the bus before her and yeah what yeah okay um, <laughs> this is not thought out well at they all they are from Midtown's date high I assume and they're going to a uh, excursion Museum excursion yeah yeah and they're looking at spiders and spider exhibits and they're looking at all these genetically modifi- modified spiders um and they're like you know Peter's there geeking out over them and then like Harry hears him geeking out and tries to use the same facts as a pickup line on MJ um, <laughs> so funny <laughs> even though we know she has a boyfriend from the establishing shot um, <laughs> um we uh, see Peter get bit by yes. a spider. Yes. And it looks awful and he never goes to a hospital to get it checked out. I guess it's America. And even, the, yeah. He's, oh, he's, God, no. He's poor. Oh. He's poor and he's like, all right, guess I'll Just die then. health insurance. Yeah, guess I'll die then. <laughs> <laughs> he transforms during the night. Well, he doesn't realize he has, but he gets like all these spider powers. How does he figure it out? What does he do? Um, he jumps on the ceiling or he like 
shoots web. Uh, yeah, he has web, and he shoots web everywhere. Yeah. Which is I don't know. He I can't remember. I can't remember this movie. I watched it like two weeks ago. <laughs> I know it's it's hard recording two weeks late. Okay, no. Um, he slowly figures out over time that he thinks he has the powers of a spider. He tested like climbing up walls and like trying to web around the place and control the web. He gets into a lot of shenanigans like accidentally like grabbing things and smashing them into people's faces or yes, like, like a, a tray, a food tray that he accidentally smashes into Flash Gordon's face. Yeah. And then um, he gets into a fight with Flash Gordon. Flash Thompson. Flash Gordon. <laughs> Flash Thompson, yes. Flash Thompson. Who's MJ's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, who's MJ's boyfriend. He gets into a fight, beats up uh, Flash and his friend and then he's like, oh my god, I'm so cool now I have all these powers but everyone's like you're a freak Peter Parker yeah um he goes home and of course he's like oh now I need to get the girl now that I have the spider powers and like it's like I'm gonna buy a car because he sees MJ jump in the car with her boyfriend and then he's like looking through and he's like I'm gonna buy this thousand dollar car and it was like there's an advertisement for wrestling yeah. So we, we get this montage where he's, like, designing a suit and an outfit and, like, this sketchbook and it all looks great. And then he rocks up in, like, what looks like pyjamas. Um, and he tries to find in this wrestling match, Bonesaw is ready! Um, <laughs> and he knocks Bonesaw out too early and he gets ripped off by the manager of the ring. Mm-hmm. And they only give him, like, a small amount of money. And then they immediately get robbed. Mm-hmm. And he's like, haha, it sucks to be them and holds the elevator door open for the robber. Yeah, it doesn't, he just lets him go. Just lets and him go. And the guy comes up and he's like, you stop, you didn't stop him. And he's like, yeah, that's I not my problem. The, I missed the part where that's my problem, which is what the guy said to him when he didn't pay him exactly. properly. And then, uh, so Peter's like just walking along. He's got his, uh, he's got his thing in his hand, his uh, suit in his hand. And he's just walking along. Then he finds this group of people standing around and he's like, oh, he just pushes forward. I don't know why. I don't know why he didn't just keep going. He must have activated his spider sense I maybe think. it's where like the pickup point that he arranged with his uncle ben maybe was. yeah and yeah. then so he finds that his uncle's been shot um and then he takes off after the shooter finds out that it's the guy he let go in the, the elevator uh, in the elevator yeah and then uh what happens after that he goes home and aunt may's there and they break the bad news yep. uh we get a bit of a time skip like we have the funeral, but then we get a time skip, I believe, to they're all graduated. Yeah, they're all like living in the city. Harry and Peter live together because Harry's got a lot of money. He's a trust fund baby through, because uh, yeah, the side plot going on here is that um, Harry Osborne, who is a son to Norman Osborne, who runs Osborne Oscorp Oscorp Oscorp, which is like uh, defense technology science. Like of course it is because it's thing. always. Yes. Whenever there's science involved in these movies, it's always military science. Because that's the funding. If we're being real with America, yeah. Or the military funding, that's how the scientists get away in by catering to the defense side of things. And so he's making like gliders and like trying to develop like serums of super strength, and he tests one on himself when like he sh- David shouldn't Banner have. was doing. Oh, we won't talk about Hulk. We don't talk about Hulk. You've said the forbidden words. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Just... Every every episode, <laughs> every episode, I talk about Hulk. Like, we finish that podcast. And we're like, ah, oh, thank God, we can stop talking about it now. <laughs> every episode, we talk. I talk about Hulk. I know. Norman. Norman. The serum is slowly sending him. I guess it implies insane. Yeah. And makes him violent and all of these lovely tropes, which were a lot of fun. Um, strong sarcasm there, and. Uh, yeah, he's getting revenge on people trying to lock him out of the company and, like, yes. he's just trying to, like, keep control but has no control. I don't even know what his, like, he's actually really doing. He's just kind of, like, causing trouble. And he... He kills off the whole oh, board that's of investors right, that's that try right. and he lock him too. out. And there's this, there's a scene at the Macy's Day Parade. Yes. And, um, and Peter's there taking photos and MJ's there with Harry and um, the goblin comes along, so Norman Osborn. He comes along in his glider and he uh, wrecks shop and causes a bunch of trouble. And then he, there is um, one instance of uh, disability representation, but then yes. he dies immediately. Yeah, he's transformed into terrible CGI skeletons with a bomb. Oh, that was that was shocking. <laughs> yeah, um, MJ's damsel, but gets saved. Essentially, Peter's life starts falling apart around him. Like, Mm. he's trying to balance his responsibilities as Peter and Spider-Man. He 
He's trying to juggle a love life with MJ, who stopped dating Flash after high school, broke up at graduation, but um, started immediately dating started Harry. dating Harry. Yeah. And um, Harry as well is, like, secretive and not telling Peter because he's aware his friends had a crush for years. It's just a lot of, like, mm. drama tropes inside a superhero movie. Mm. Um, I'm trying to think, where was the main... We had the parade, which is a really good scene. Um, and then Peter's just going about his business and the and the goblin um, kind of uh, kidnaps him and is mm. like, join me, Spider-Man, and we can rule this city together or whatever. Oh, I know. That was the burning building. Yes. Yeah, he sets a trap. Bill. Yes. Yeah. And then so on Thanksgiving, um, there is a burning building and Peter goes inside to save one last person, except that it's actually the goblin and the goblin attacks him and sends all these um, spiked... To... High-tech shurikens. Shurikens. Is that what they are? Like spinny metal. Like, yeah, yeah, spinny metal things. And then he uh, scratches up Peter's arm, and then they he gets out of there, and then um, turns out that they're having Thanksgiving together with Norman, Harry, MJ, May, and Peter, and so they're all having Thanksgiving together. And then there is this terrible joke where Peter's like, I had to beat an old lady with a stick to get these cranberries. And it's like, because violence against women, and particularly old women, is so funny. And he's saying that joke to his old woman aunt. Yes, to his aunt. Um, And then uh, Norman figures out that Peter is Spider-Man. Because he sees the cut on his arm at the table. And it's very tense. And then... Uh, Norman spirals and Harry's like no don't leave and then they have a big fight about MJ he's like I wanted you to meet MJ because you keep bailing and he's like ah that girl's after nothing but your trust fund essentially and then MJ's like why didn't you stand up for me which is a very valid point and Harry's like oh 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 no he's like you just don't say things that you don't understand like just don't talk about things yeah. that you don't like he's like he's my father you know and will protect his father forever yeah and even though his dad is a shit dad he's shit it's and like cares more about Peter at times than yes. he does about his own son. Um, Aunt May is threatened and captured by the Goblin yes. shortly after this, and Peter realizes he has to actually confront this problem instead of hoping it will go away. Um, and yeah, the culminating fights in like a graveyard? Question yes. mark. And it's just Peter and Norman, and Peter realizes it's Norman after the Goblin kind of impales himself on his yes. own uh, glider. Because he's trying to hit Peter, but Peter jumps out of the way using spider sense and instead impales him. And he goes, don't tell Harry, and then dies dramatically. Aww. Like, And then Peter's carrying around this burden that he's indirectly resulted in the death of his best friend's father. Yeah. I mean, like, that was entirely Norman's fault. Yes, it, yes, of course it was. But it's Peter, he's going to internalise it, because that's where his drama comes from. Mm. Is by, yeah blaming himself for all the problems in New York um, and at the funeral for Harry, sorry, Norman um, he tells MJ they can't be together so yeah. the bookend of like the whole romance between them, like that's the start of it is him saying how much he loves this girl at the end of him is realising that his responsibilities as Spider-Man will always put his loved ones in danger so they can't be together mm. even though she doesn't know he's Spider-Man mm. yeah and there was also a scene just before Norman oh, yeah. dies where he uh, makes Spider-Man make a choice where he is like, choose MJ or this train car full of uh, children. Yeah. And then Spider-Man saves them both. Yes. And then uh, he gets captured by the goblin and taken to the graveyard where they have their big Yes, fight. thank you. I did forget yes. about the bus of children. Yes. What, it's not a train car. It's like a... It's one of those things that... <laughs> Uh, a monorail? Uh, oh, no, it's like a... Tram? Not a tram. It's like suspended above the ground. Mm. It's on a wire. Like, it travels along a wire. So it's like... So oh. it, it doesn't have any wheels on it. It's it's like one of those... A cable car? S- cable car, yeah. There we go. It's like one of those ski... Yes. Ski train thingies. Yeah. Cable car. Yes. yes. I, I've been in a cable car up um, the tallest point in Hong Kong before. That sounds scary as hell. It's really cool, actually. <laughs> do not like heights. I, I would not do that. I'm an adrenaline junkie. <laughs> of course, because you have ADHD. Yeah. Yeah. Always give me the high stimulus, high risk environments. Let's kind of go into the feminism then. Straight away, off the bat. 
Um, things just seem to happen around women in this film. They have no agency or motivations of their own. I'm just going to come out and say it. I don't like the Tobey Maguire trilogy. That's I think fine. I'm the only person who grew up with them who doesn't like them. <laughs> I don't think anyone likes them. Really? I think I'm the only person who does like them. <sighs> no, my housemate loves them. Like, oh, friends okay. in the past are like, yeah, it's the best Spider-Mans. I'm like, are they? Am I really? No. Well, I haven't seen the new ones, and I really didn't like <sighs> the amazing Spider-Mans. I really didn't like them at all. Look, I like the Amazings more for the actors involved. Yep. The direction was just bleh. Um, and the new ones, they very much feel like, I don't know if they feel like superhero movies anymore. They feel like Ferris Bueller's Day Off, but with Spider-Man in it. Mm. Like, they're an interesting, they're very, for the new generation of younger, like, audiences. Which is interesting to watch. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. You'll get to them. You'll watch them eventually. Uh, well, I will for this podcast. I exactly. was very steadfastly not watching them in particular. <laughs> but what about, um, we might talk about this a little bit later, but like, what about Into the Spider-Verse? Oh, yeah. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, because Miles, he's just wonderful. Um, Into the Spider-Verse, I really like it has more women. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has more women than um, the other ones. We will discuss this when we talk about it in the future. But like, the women in it, like you have... Spider Gwen from the alternate universe. Mm, you have yeah, yeah. Penny Parker, the um, the one who's got the mech mech suit spider. You've yes. got um, Aunt May makes an appearance, but she's like her own person. Mary Jane's in it. Like, Aww. yeah, I think it does a really good job. That's awesome, especially for being like a mile centered story. Like, yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't seen Into the Spider Verse, and I have <gasps> a reason. I have a reason. It's because you can only see a movie like for the first time once. That's and true. so I need to like prepare myself for this. I need to yeah. like have a shower, get into my comfy robe, which I am always in. Well, by that stage, do you think we'll be able to watch it together? Yes. And I'll keep my mouth shut and you can yes. watch it on the fancy TV yes. at my house. Yes, yes, yes. It's beautiful. It'll be like when we introduced Alex to uh, the Winter Soldier. Do you remember that? <laughs> I'm so sad that um, when Spider-Verse came out in cinemas, we should have gone together because watching yeah. it in cinema on a cinema screen is yeah. insanely amazing. Yeah. It's wonderful. Mm, that would have been good. I just, I mean, I should have been into into it. I just, like, just never got around to watching it. Yeah, I think December. I wanted to, and then it just kind of, like, went on and on when I didn't watch it, and then I was like, when am I going to watch it? And it's kind of yes. built up a little bit. And so. it's around Christmas time as well, so, like, mm. buying presents. Anyway, back yes. to the feminism in yes. Spider-Man 2002. <sighs> okay, it's not great. Mm-mm. Not great. Uh, no. So the first woman we see is a museum guide. Yes. So she is a woman in STEM, but she is also Asian. So she fulfills the Asian nerd stereotype. So it's kind of like a double-edged sword kind of thing. Um, So we'll also see this in Age of Ultron with, I can't remember the character's name. I should have looked it up, but I can't remember the character's name. Dr. Someone. Um, And she is, I think, uh, she's an Asian woman. Mm -hmm. And she's also like... I can't even remember. Is she like working for Ultron or something? Or? No, um, she is part of a a, um, a Korean lab that develops synthetic skin and things like that, and was like using that. And then Ultron wants to make his synthetic body, yes. which it becomes Vision later. Yes, and so like he mind controls her and etc cetera, et cetera. Oh, yeah. okay. But she's called in at first because Hawkeye gets like shot on the field, and they're like, "Oh, we need to contact leading expert in skin tech." Please patch, up, patch Hawkeye's <laughs> massive burn because he's so squishy so and will vital. die. He's so vital to the team. <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, and I think it's interesting. Another point, sort of like women in STEM and everything, especially she's in like that position where like she's the one who takes the kids on the school tours. Quite often, like a lot of women in science get forced into like the, the public facing roles so they look really progressive and they look really and women are better at dealing with people and like are more social than all the, the nerds behind the microscope the nerdy men who are yeah. allowed to be behind the microscope yeah, and, and academics and not like be women, disturbed from their important science business yeah like women being the face of the organisation yes yeah. and often to try and be like look we're not you know this we're not dominated by white men so yes. look we got someone walking around representing us yes not. like um, putting uh 
marginalized people at the forefront to be like you know we're progressive yeah which i guess is actually pretty progressive for 2002 that's true yeah and um god university advertisements do it all the time oh yeah (laughs) which other women exist in this movie for Um, us okay so the next woman we see is mary jane mary jane is our main female character in this movie she is love interest um she's yeah the girl next door exactly literally the girl yeah next literally door. um we see her is the is the science part the museum part is that the first scene i believe so. oh no the school bus oh that's so because right. he's yes. like got this monologue where he's like look at me ah oh, i'm i wish i was that guy Flash no thompson i'm no but I, i'm not even that guy the, the big guy eating the sandwich i am this guy flash cut to him outside chasing the school bus and Mary Jane with her just boobies entirely out. Just staring prettily out a window. Yeah, doing nothing. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay, so my note is tits out for Christmas because her cleavage is so much. Um, so I love Kirsten Dunst. But the first we see of her is she's being nice to Peter and she's annoyed by her boyfriend, Flash. And my yeah. note is because she's a lesbian poet. <laughs> Like, she doesn't like her boyfriend touching her, and in the tried-and-true Ellen Page way, she goes for the least threatening guy possible. Yeah, I know. I don't know. Mary Jane's a very interesting character. There are a lot of people who, like, years ago in the comics as well were like, Mary Jane has more chemistry with Gwen Stacy, but they're meant to be, like, pitting against each other for Peter's love. Yeah. What's going on there? That's funny. (laughs) Well, I know what's going on. Yeah, no, we know what's going on We know. Um, but too bad there's no other women in the story no, for her to talk to exactly. except for Aunt May. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so she starts dating Harry once they finish high school and yes. they kind of like go on to, I move guess. Move into the city. Move into the city. Into the suburbs. And, um, yeah, so she starts dating Harry, but like, it's, I don't really know why that happens. Is it just like, just to give Peter angst and like drive a wedge between them? It's like... Again, like I said, the women in this movie are just there and things happen to them and around Mm. them. Like, Harry's like, yeah, I like MJ and I fancy her, but we never, ever see MJ fancy him or say that she felt the same. She's just like, yeah, sure, I'll date Harry. And there's a lot of implied stuff there, especially, like, when um, Norman Osborn's, like, getting more Green Goblin-y by the minute. And he's like, ah, she only wants you for your money, no girls. Like, that sniffs around otherwise. I don't know. She doesn't have agency. Like, we don't get enough of, like, what she wants and what she likes and what she's into. And I mean, the thing is, we know that she wants to be an actor, but she doesn't even really try for that. Like, she says at one point she's going to an audition or she's just come from an audition, but we didn't see her at the audition. We didn't hear anything else about it. Like, what was she auditioning for? Like... Yeah. You know, and and like we always hear about those things, like those few ambitions she has. We we it's framed in the film that it's like Peter's lens of why he admires her. Yeah, yeah. You want to be an actress, of course you do. You were so good in all the school plays because I was watching you in the wings. Like (laughs) I cried like a baby when you played Cinderella. We were five. (laughs) Yeah, that was in the first grade. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know. It's very strange. It's it's just lazy writing, I would say. I think they just don't see Mary Jane as enough of a character to to even write her well. And she's she's but she's huge in the comics. Yeah. She's so dull in this compared to the larger than life flirtatious like bombshell who's mm. like it's she's very wallflower, very like, is it the Kirsten Dunst, like, quirkisms and actingisms that, like, or was it poor direction? Like, there are a couple actors who, like, one of them is Nicole Kidman, mm-hmm. who um, they're only as good as the script that you give them. Yes. So precisely. when you give them a bad script, they're a bad actor. And I really like Kirsten Dunst, like I said before. Yeah. But I'm not sure if she's one of those actors. Maybe she is. Maybe she's only as no. good as the script that you give her. It feels like instead of the vivacious bombshell that Mary Jane is in the comics, they wanted to be like more of that 2002 Manic Pixie Dream Girl aesthetic sort of mm. thing yeah. where like she's just ethereal and like this this, this yeah, little speck of mystery in Peter's life yeah. it's very weird 
She's kind of like just this object for him. Yeah, to project his desires and his wants onto. She has this kind of, like you were saying, she's dull, but mm. she's just kind of like really reserved. Mm. And she, even when she says, oh, I just went to this audition, she's like, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, I didn't get it or whatever. And it's like, well, maybe that's crushing for her, but we would never know. Why like, wasn't she frustrated? Why wasn't she? The only time she was upset in this movie was when... Harry's dad said mean things about mm. her, which she's never seemed to care about anyone saying mean mm. things to her before. So that she knows that Peter is into her, and she doesn't really string him along, but she kind of like she kind of approves of it. Like she mm. she knows that, and she like I wouldn't say that she's stringing him along, but no. it's, it's kind of like almost encouraging it or it's like. Just- it's just passivity. Yeah. She doesn't take anything. She doesn't take control of the situation. She doesn't say, yeah, That's I like true. you, or no, I don't, because she only exists for the men to have feelings about, not to have feelings of her own. <laughs> you get to see all my facial expressions. I do, and it's great. I love all the, like, the, the eye rolling and the tongue part, yeah, and, the the uh. and the uh, and the yeah, over this. Yeah. The meanness. <laughs> she's damseled, which is your favourite thing in the world. Oh, yeah, that's that's terrific. How many Love times? That. What's the first time she's damseled? Um, damseled twice. Once um, is on the balcony, the parade. Yes. And that... Oh, and once is in the alley where those guys come in. Oh, yeah. yeah. That was trying... horrific. Yeah. That was really bad. Um, <sighs> so, yeah, let's talk about that for a little bit. So, um, she, I think she's at like talking to Peter, and then she's like, "I'm gonna go home." So she goes through like it's nighttime, it's raining. Yeah. Um. She, uh, she goes like through an alley kind of thing. Yeah. And then these guys come up to her and they start hassling her and pushing her and like grabbing her and yeah. like you think something's gonna happen and then they pull off her coat and it's very much like okay, she's being assaulted by these dudes and yeah. it could quickly turn into sexual assault. Yeah. Like, um. Um, but then Spider-Man comes along and drops them all and... Um, Immediately kisses her. After. Well, she kisses him. She does. So, so that's, that's an the, act of agency. That is probably the... Yeah, the only choices she makes is to romance Spider-Man. Yeah. And that's true because she's like always like, does he talk about me whenever yeah. Peter brings him up? Because he's Spider-Man's unofficial photographer. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> I, I love it. And like when he's taking the selfies with the big bulky camera, you're like, oh man, Tom Holland has nothing going on in his Spider-Man. It's so easy to take a selfie now. Yeah. Like, but then, yeah, for it to not look like a selfie. Exactly. So I guess, yeah, own complications in the modern Spider-Man conundrum. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, man. So she's saved by Spider Man and mm-hmm. she's like fully soaked, like fully She's not wet. wearing a bra on that She's scene. not wearing a bra. Her no. titties are fully out. It was like... a good movie for helping me realize I was gay as a child. <laughs> <laughs> like, so you huh. win some, you lose like, some. <laughs> most of this is boring to me, but this scene. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder why I'm focusing so much on this scene. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm I'll res- just repress that for 20 years. I'm respectfully looking. <laughs> I'm disrespectfully gawking. Um, it's a nice kiss, though. It is iconic. Yes, it is. I think it's, yeah, it still sends out as like a king. One of the movie kisses. Yeah. I think everyone will always be like, oh, yeah, the Spider-Man kiss anytime someone's hanging upside down or... Like, you know, you'll just be, like, flopping over your bed, leaning backwards, and, like... Spider-Man kiss. Like, Spider-Man kiss time. <laughs> <laughs> or just me, because I'm a nerd. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, yeah. So, she gets saved. And they have the kiss. Yeah, that's true. Um, don't know. So, uh, I like their storyline. They have, like, having known each other their entire lives, but I don't like the idea of Peter, like, lusting after MJ and being the quote-unquote good guy. Yeah, that's true. Like, the opening monologue he has is just how much he's thirsty and, like, loves her, even though he, like, never, ever talks to her properly. Mm. Like, and I guess it's implied when they were children they talked a lot more freely and he had a crush since the third grade. I The one scene I really liked between the two of them was when, after, like, her dad's being shithead and yeah she comes out she comes outside and they just get to sit by the fence and that feels really real yeah and really nice and like yeah that's there was a really nice moment between the pair of them where he could stop being weirdly thirsty or like 
actually manage to have a conversation instead of just staring at her with big Tobey Maguire bug eyes. Like, yeah, and it was very, very refreshing. Yeah. Yeah. No, that was really nice. They got to, like, talk about, you know, their past and their childhoods and, like, give a bit more of a backstory for MJ. And, I mean, it was all framed through Peter's experience of her. But Peter's supportive of her dreams in that conversation, yeah. too. Because she's like, oh, my God, my dad, like, I'm never going to make it as an actress. She's like, no, you'll get there. You'll get yeah. there. And that was kind of kind of nice that he sees that side of her and appreciates it in a way that clearly no one else in her family oh, does. Yeah. So that's really nice. Yeah. Uh, what else? I think, yeah, she's bland. Yeah, she's just pretty boring. So her only two personality traits is that she's attractive and she's Peter's love interest. Yeah. Yeah. And she's Spider-Man's love interest. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's that old, like, yeah. Just to add complications to love life and be like, oh, but she's into Spider-Man, not Peter Parker. Like, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's let's move on to Aunt May. Yes, Aunt May. I think Aunt May has a personality. Yes. And she's funny. Right. And she supports Ben and Peter unconditionally. She's, like, a loving person. She's yes. just fantastic. Um, she's definitely someone that Peter needs to have a really good support system around him. Like, yeah. both Aunt May and Ben are really supportive of him, and they they are a great support system for him, especially yeah. because, you know, his parents aren't around, and he really has no one else. Like, he doesn't have any friends. He only has Harry. and Yeah, and that's complicated as it is. Mm. And um, he also turns around and is very supportive of her, and I think that's yeah. part of him growing and maturing as a person, that bridge between high school to adulthood, where he starts stepping up, and especially after Uncle Ben dies, taking responsibility for the family and making sure that he's not just making her worry about him all the time, and yeah, and I love the little Thanksgiving, like, yeah. you know, cooking in the shitty apartment kitchen. Yeah, that was lovely. They, it's and getting quite the cranberries. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and she's attacked halfway through the film because yes. of this. Yes. So at the Thanksgiving dinner in question, um, Norman, I forgot his name for a minute, <laughs> Norman Osborne recognises that um, Peter's got a cut on his arm. That's yes. where he hit Spider-Man in a fight, like, earlier that day. Yeah. And he pieces together, and then he attacks Aunt May immediately, realising how important and integral to Peter's life she is, and how it could hurt Spider-Man by striking a direct blow at yeah. a woman in his life. Oh, we forgot that he also does that to MJ, so she's damsel the third time. Oh, yeah. Because um, I completely forgot to write that down. I think I had just stopped taking notes at that point. <laughs> yeah, I know, and there's a point where you're just going to watch it happen, and you're like, okay, I'm just going to soak this in. Yeah. Um, with Aunt May in this, I do have a gripe. And yep. this has been my great for a long time. Because it's Aunt May. Yeah. It's not Grandma May. It's not, not Great May. Aunt May. Yep. It's Aunt May. And I can never get over, even in the comic books, this is a problem. She looks like a grandmother, mm. not an aunt. Like, Spider-Man plays into that stereotype that women are either love interests, dead, a mother, or a frail old lady. <laughs> like, <laughs> and at Peter's age, my aunts and uncles did not look like they were one step away from a retirement home. Um, like... But then I struggle with this because it's really nice to see a woman on screen who doesn't look like she's 20 or yes, 30. Yes, absolutely. Like, who isn't there just to be, like, sexy. And that's That was my problem with the new Spider-Man is that, like, I looked at, at um, what's her name? Who plays Aunt May? Uh, is it Marissa Tomei? Marissa Tomei. Yeah. And I was like, they just made her sexy because they needed this another sexy woman. In... she looks like an auntie. She does. Like... For context of background, when my niece is 17, which is how old Peter is when he's finishing high school, I assume, because it is in Australia, I'll be 35. Mm. And fucking cast Judy Dench to play me. Yeah. <laughs> like, if they made a movie about our lives together. <laughs> like, ah, yes, aunt, she's 35. <laughs> she's old. She must, she's on death's bed. She's going to die soon. Yeah. At any moment, she'll drop dead. Yeah. And, like, I get some families have kids late or there might be a big gap. Mm. But I was just a bit like... I think they hit the middle ground with the Amazing Spider-Man. I think mm. they finally got the age thing down. But I think Marissa Tomei's just aged really well. Like she's been, yeah. she looks great. For... Well, I mean, like everyone in Hollywood looks great. Because I know because they they're the not money. allowed to grow up or they yeah. lose all their income. No, they they have the money to look great. Yeah, like but... everyone is like Paul Rudd looks great for fifty. It's like yeah, he dyes his hair and he gets like he has a great skincare routine. But like... there's also a point for women is that 
that's like as soon as they stop looking good for their age, yeah. they will not get income. Men can be cast in serious dramas or like can be playing spies and action heroes till they're 60, 70. Nicky Rock. Yeah. (laughs) As he saw in Iron Man 2. Exactly. Like, but it's the bread and butter of an actress in Hollywood that she has to look like she's under 30. Yeah. So it's good that Marissa Tomei does look like an auntie. And it's like, and I get that Aunt May in this, like they were trying to go more for the authentic to comic aesthetic where she Mm. just looks really old. Well, that's really weird because like nothing else is authentic to comics in this. Like my brother is an avid Spider-Man fan. Like Spider-Man is his favorite character. He has like so many comic books. And um, he always disliked these, this series of movies, the Sam Raimi movies, Mm. because they were so untrue to the comics. And he really yeah. likes The Amazing Spider-Man because it's so true to the comics. I think aesthetically, like, Kirsten Dunn's is casting for MJ. She looks great. She has yeah. MJ's iconic dimples. The hair is a mm. great colour. I was admiring it myself. Like, oh, I remember when I've had that colour hair. I loved yeah. it. Like, sh- they look good. Yeah. But they didn't keep any of the... They kept the, the fluffy, shiny, aesthetic out, like exterior, but none of the heart and none of the, like, anything that's why people actually care about the comics. Yeah. <laughs> you can have the shittest artist on a comic book run, but if it's written well and it's a good story and you're telling something interesting, people will still buy it. <sighs> yeah. I mean, like, that's the same with, like, if these movies were written well, <laughs> then no one would be complaining. No, exactly. Yeah. Um, who else is in this? Um, Elizabeth Banks. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. She's um... She works for... Um... What's she? Who, which character does she play? Uh, I can't remember. I don't know if she gets her name, but she's. Is it like um, Betsy when... something? She's the pays the photographers yes. and the freelancers. Yes, yes. I'm trying to remember what her comic book character's name is. No oh, idea. Oh, it's gone. No idea. Yeah, basically the Karen Page of the Daily yes, Bugle. Absolutely. She only has like a couple lines, but I I really liked her like cameo in that. She's yeah. like your wife's on the phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> She's really cool. I really like her. Um, but I really like Elizabeth Banks. Like, I think she is just terrific. Like, okay, sometimes her oeuvre is a bit spotty, but, like, yeah. some some of the things that she okays is not very good. But, like, um, I think she's a great director, and she do- has done a lot of, like, female-centric movies. And, mm. yeah, so I think she's pretty and cool. And it's, it's fun seeing them in 2002 mm. and what's happened since and how mm. far they've come and what they've been in and what they've been doing. It's really interesting. Yeah. All right. What do we want to talk about now? Um, there are one more. Is the women at the wrestling ring. Oh, my gosh. I think that's the only other women in it's the movie. Like, are there, like, just four women as he walks down and they just start... <laughs> Heckling him? Yeah, like, screaming at him, like, oh, Bonesaw's gonna rip you in half, like... They're just... Their hair is so big. Oh, it's so big. They're, like, true 80s queens. Yeah, yeah, that whole wrestling aesthetic where it's just larger than life, everything. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it so much. <laughs> Someone needed to rip Peter a new one. Yeah, I know, right? Bonesaw is ready. Bonesaw is ready. I think there's a lot of iconic lines in this. Okay, uh, do we want to talk about Queerness? The little tiny the, snippets. Yeah, there's only... Oh, where are my pictures? Okay, my pictures are there. Sorry. Oh, yes. No, we do have a little bit. Okay, so there is this uh, part where he's fighting Bonesaw, where he's like, makes this, uh, comment. this comment about Bonesaw's husband. He's like, what, does your husband do something for you? Oh, uh, no, it was, um, oh, nice outfit. Did your husband, husband make, make it for, for you? you? Yeah. Yeah. And, like, this is just a, yeah, a really homophobic, snide comment. Like... A way of making fun of him. And I'm like, do we need that casually dropped in there? No, we didn't. It was completely unnecessary. But it was also 2002. We okay. do not make allowances. We just accept things for how they are and make, try and make them better from now on. Yeah, it could have been something that's like, still not great, but like, you know, nice outfit. Did your mom make it for you? Like, didn't yeah. have to be, you know. Necessarily homophobic. It could have just been misogynist. Exactly. <laughs> Mum's a good sewer. Like, <laughs> uh, so um, Dana, what did you say, um, JJ? Jemison oh yeah. Over? So there's not much queerness, but holy shit, I like had to pause because I was watching the scene where JJ is like, he's just 
going that, off. That man is so manic and it's amazing. <laughs> He's got so much good energy. So much manic psychotic energy. It's perfect casting. I don't yes. think they could pick someone more perfect. What's his name? Um, J.K. Simmons. Yes. Oh, he's fantastic. He just is amazing. And um, here's this, these two editors in his office. And one of them is a person of color. Yes. And one of them is, I think, looks extremely queer. Um, she's very hot. Or oh, they're very hot. I do not know the gender because they just look great in a suit. They're wearing a skirt. I think. No, or is that no, a blazer? This is just a very long blazer. Very long blazer. Some tight fitting, form fitting pants. You got the folded up sleeves underneath the blazer. The really short hair. They look great. They look awesome. I just yeah, I kept looking at them and I'm like, I have to put this in my notes somewhere. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> and look at them. Like look, look at that. Um. So they're very androgynous. Yes, very. And I thought it was like nice having. I guess it looked like there were some people in a position of power who mm. were minorities. Visibly queer. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. also minorities. Yes. Yeah. There's a, a black editor. Yeah. Um, okay. Peter. Um, yeah. What are your comments on Peter? Biderman. Biderman does, does whatever, whatever a Biderman does. I really love Biderman, but this fucking trilogy is the straightest, <laughs> blandest, most painful thing I've ever had to watch. I um I haven't seen I haven't seen it in a very long time and this movie wasn't very good and so it kind of like puts in perspective that I don't really like Spider Man at all. Maybe there's a I don't maybe maybe um in Spider Man three there's a tiny bit between him and Harry I could guess you could infer but Harry's gone round the bend at that point and that's problematic if like yes if we're talking as like um. If Harry is a queer character and then yeah. villainizing him, which they always do. Yeah, they always do. Yeah, that's what your villains were in your traditional pages. And we already know that James Franco is a villain in real life. He is a yeah. disgusting human oh. being. Like, he is a sexual predator. Mm-hmm. Um, he's just awful. Uh, yeah, so I'm fine with them villainizing him. Yeah, that's valid. Um, yeah. Oh. Look at his abs, is what my my comment was. I very much did not. (laughs) I remember my brother saying something like, um, when they made this movie, they had to, like, before he turns into Spider-Man, they had to put his head on somebody else's body, like they did with uh, Chris Evans in Captain America, because he was, like, because he got in shape for this film, Mm -hmm. and so they had to... um, photo manipulate whatever his head onto somebody else's skinny body yeah to sell him as spider-man so Um, that's what i noticed i was like oh that's what that is and it didn't actually look that bad it wasn't that bad yeah but um (laughs) then i was like look at his abs because he has abs now he's so awkward isn't he oh my god (laughs) i forgot about that did he seriously look at his dick and go big change he's just so like (laughs) why Big change. Big change. Um, the the problem with MJ being a girl next door is he can literally see into a bedroom during the montage of all the fashion design. She's yeah. just occasionally like there in the window, and I'm like, what? And she doesn't seem to have a very good curtain. No, she has one of those wispy little see-through lace things. lace yeah. curtains. It's like, girl, you get changed in that room. Yeah. And Peter is right there and he's been staring at you, you since. You know he has a crush on you. Yeah. Um gross. Oh <laughs> my my comment. I have watched way too much porn to not be grossed out by him shooting his web off. I'm glad you said that out loud. I was like, you, okay, you have to say that. Occasionally we'll come up with something in our comments, in our um in our notes, and we're both like that's just like gross. And gross. the other one will say well, you, you better say, say that in the podcast. You've committed to it, so follow through. <laughs> oh, when he's designing his suit, yeah. um, he says quietly to himself, needs more colour, like, and I'm like, yeah, because we know that straight men are, like, the blandest fucking creatures on the planet and don't know how to dress well or have good um, colour combinations. So, yeah, he has to be Biderman because only a queer person would have, like, cool aesthetic designs and great ideas for their costume and yep. make something that friggin' skin tight. Exactly. Like, you have to go to a latex specialist. Yes. <laughs> You just do. You do. So you need your connections. You're going to get exactly. those from your community. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the whole metaphor of the superhero identity, everyone's just trying yes. to out him all the time. Um, so I thought Norman's assistant, Dr. Strom, 
clearly in love with Norman. Yeah, he's so like he really lovingly at the start of the film when he finds him like experimenting on himself. It's just like Norman with like when he thought he was dead. It was like the most well acted part of the whole movie. <laughs> I looked up from typing on my laptop to see him holding Norman's body close. Like there's something there's something intimate there's something about that there. moment. Yeah. They have a history. Okay, let's see if I've got any other notes worth saying. I think Um, it's pretty good for today. Yeah. But what do you think? There's so much Spider-Man media. There is so much Spider-Man media. We could have done an entire season on Spider-Man media. Yeah, I know. Because there are a couple TV shows. Heaps. But I remember um, I watched this this Marvel, was it Marvel specifically? It was this comic book uh, documentary kind of thing with Stan Lee. So I think it was specifically Marvel. Mm. And Stan Lee was saying that like they didn't have the technology to really do Spider-Man until this movie came out. Yes. And then, but I was like, but there are like two TV shows. <laughs> I know. They, no, I haven't seen either of them. No, and I know they, like, they just, they tried to, but it was always, everyone laughs about it. Oh, like, okay. they're not serious the animated stuff though mm. like that's why cartoons and everything and why it seemed like superheroes were marketed for kids because animation could freely do what live action couldn't for so mm. many years so people have always been taking comic books and superheroes less seriously than they should because they see it as childish that so it has to be animated mm. but the only reason is the limitations on technology and cgi and and not- the writing as well like these are goofy movies yes they are and it's kind of weird because when superhero movies weren't very widespread and popular yet, it just seemed like they were throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing yes. what would stick. They were trying to make it a drama, a romance, a comedy, and an action film all in one because they were trying to get yeah. the widest audience possible to show that it was a sustainable genre and that they should be making more superhero movies. And it worked. We got like the MCU, we got massive multi million dollar industries billion dollar dollar, yeah films Mm, we got Um, captain marvel and black panther out of that we got thor ragnarok and it led to what we say like that they can start specializing like thor Mm. ragnarok being a comedy Mm. more so than everything crammed into one yeah um as opposed to like this um guardians of the galaxy being a sci-fi like i know but you get to see more genre specificity instead of trying to do everything yeah that's good yeah um, we had an Octavia Spencer cameo, which was pretty yeah, cool. But it does great. speak to the fact that there are very, very few people of colour in this film. Exactly. And she was at the wrestling ring. And yes. it was, like, sizing Peter up and down, like, are you sure? Like, you know, you're waving any right, like, anything to sue us. Like, please sign all the paperwork. All right, go, mm-hmm. go, kid. <laughs> she's great. I yeah, love her. Yeah, she's awesome. So Into the Spider-Verse brings in more representation um, mm. in terms of people of colour. Miles Morales is black and Latinx. Mm-hmm. And like I was just saying in the notes that um, Peter is the only person in this film that I would feel comfortable with them changing his race or casting mm. an actor of colour because MJ has no agency. She's just the love interest. Yes. Um, Harry eventually turns evil. Um, yeah. And Norman is, of course, the Green Goblin. But even someone like your side character is like... J. Jonah Jameson, Jameson yeah. or like you know they were up, like could be Aunt May, like, Aunt May or because Uncle it's ben, the park yeah. she married into the park oh okay yeah yeah so like it could be anyone like who mm. had like I know and and the biggest thing with Peter as well is I know that Donald Glover made a very succinct point ages yes. ago when he was pushing he wanted to play yes. Spider-Man for a long time and he got to voice him in an animated series but like that's not enough I want to be in front of the camera too showing young black boys that they can be superheroes as well and he was like like there isn't a, a like there isn't a kid in queens who likes photography and mm. science like that happens to mm. be black as well <laughs> like mm. he's like are you telling me that all of the hobbies and interests that peter parker has are exclusively for him and for oh, white gooseys. kids yeah gooseys. i love, love that quote and i think yeah. about it nearly daily <laughs> <That's awesome. laughs> um well when when spider-man came out it was kind of around the era when nerdiness was still vilified or, like, yes. pushed to the margins. Yeah. And they and tried so, to make Peter this lovable nerd. Exactly. Mm. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, now it's, like, comic books and superhero movies are the thing. They make billions of dollars. They're not relegated to the nerd space anymore because, like, everyone sees those movies. I think it's dying out. 
Yeah. I think it's going to start to peter. Especially peter. Ha <laughs> ha. Especially this year where nothing new can be released. Where yeah. the MCU's Titan project. Ha <laughs> ha. A mad Titan Thanos. Um, no, the Titan project <laughs> is all gone. Um, and I think, again, like, it's had its yeah. day in the limelight where, like, everyone goes to see every Marvel movie. I find now yeah. it's only nerds. I find now it's only... Okay. It's going back. Where... But, I mean, like, Endgame made over a billion dollars. I know, but, like, for all of its markets. Because it was the end of a huge saga. That's true. Because it was the building point that they promised since... The building point they promised since the 2000s. Like, mm. you know. I remember um, someone said something like that instead of Ultron, they almost gave Joss Whedon um, Thanos. Instead of Ultron. Well, I, I hated Endgame as much as I hated the other Avengers. So, like, Infinity War is the only one that has any merit to it. And then, even then, it's pretty terrible. It's a part one out of, like, a two-parter movie. And everything that happens in it kind of doesn't matter. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's just... Oh, I loved the... um. I love the the part where all the people on the bridge are like tossing things at Norman at Goblin and being like, "You mess with one of us, you mess with all of us." Really because cute. people have pointed out um, this thing that makes the first Avengers so great is because there are all these different people and they all have individual lives and like they're all like like especially at the end um, where they're all talking about the superheroes and how they saved them and how they saved the city and that kind of thing so it brings together this like idea of like them saving individual people and like the importance of individual people and their lives and their impact on what the superheroes are doing so mm-hmm. to have that scene where they're like or you know all the New Yorkers are like you mess with one of us you mess with all of us like that was just yeah. awesome and and Spider-Man's whole really important thing is that he is your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man mm. the people in Queens in New York when he moves there know that he's just floating around he's their little guy and it's like you know anyone tries to say talk shit about him you got all of New York on his ass I'm like it's not happening stop yeah. it you know they're like that's our guy he's our public menace like you know when J. Jonah Jamison's trying to like bad mouth the person like stop that he's ours you cannot be mean no. like that and they buy it the same way they buy trashy gossip papers yeah. about their like he doesn't, want to be, he doesn't want to be famous i'll make him infamous yeah exactly but um yeah i love i do love that about spider-man he feels connected to his community and that's something the new trilogy does really well and they have him just like helping out in the bodega oh, like cool. doing like the yeah. most casual stuff for yeah. like there's a little old lady he's trying to cross the street and he like stops he's like let me help and like you know <laughs> oh tom holland yeah it's just very sweet like that's really good spider-man content yeah. when he feels small scale yeah like he's not to, meant to be the one that they call when there's an alien invasion he's meant to be the one that like is just managing he and daredevil would be great micromanaging yeah. two blocks in new york like and just <laughs> keeping on top of that so that's what I was going to mention he looks after Hell's Kitchen that's it. one block in one city in one country it's like I gotta keep the aesthetic like uh, yeah I think that's all I wanted to say yeah no um, it was alright it was a bit of nostalgia watching what do you think what do we think um, yeah. is this a movie we would recommend no, no. <laughs> Not for feminism, not for queerness, and that's no. really all I'm starting to care about as an old yeah. curmudgeon. Like, yeah. I want good storytelling. I don't want just nostalgia storytelling. Yeah, exactly. Characters with their agency. Yeah, I mean, there were, like, a few parts of this movie that I really liked. Like, I liked the part where they're in the hospital and Aunt May's pretending to be asleep while she listens to Peter and Peter talk about MJ, and I thought that was really sweet, but it's also, like part of the problem of him being like lusting after someone he's known his entire life and her just being like no thank you yeah not and not taking no for an answer it's very oh she doesn't even give a no because she doesn't have any agency or not picking up on social cues to be like she's not interested in me well she's not interested she's not not interested not taking the polite just yeah i mean the fact that she's dating harry is enough is enough Yeah. yeah that's you don't do that yeah. Okay. Um, if we were to make it today, what would we change? More explicitly, Vitamin. More explicitly, Vitamin. Um, 
give more agency to Mary Jane, have someone for her to talk to, mm-hmm. more women in the movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, Aunt May not just being like a motherly coddling figure, but like a little bit. I think she had, did have some humor, mm. but I think she also like, what does she do apart from like chill around at home to be attacked or talk to Peter and give him some advice? Yeah. And cook dinner. <laughs> and is it Donald Glover? Not Danny Glover. It's Donald Glover. Yeah, yes. Donald Glover. Yes, Donald yeah. Glover plays Spider-Man. Yeah. And Peter Parker. Yeah, or like, even if now, like, you know, because Donald Glover's getting older, and I, I think I had a note here, I'm like, it's yes, ridiculous watching all of these. Olds, yeah. It's ridiculous watching all these 30-year-olds on a school excursion looking like they've got a mortgage to pay. Like, casting younger actors to play younger characters, which is... But not teenagers, because there's an exploitative industry. Yeah. And, like, you know, but someone who's, like, 20, like, an up-and-coming. Well, um, isn't Tom Holland, isn't he about 19? He is the closest in age Mm. to ever play Spider-Man. Because Andrew Garfield was, like, 28 when he filmed his first one. Well, um... Tobey Maguire. Tobey Maguire was about 27, I think. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And even, um, Kirsten Dunst was 20. Mm. Yeah. No, it's just... Yeah. Stop doing that because then teenagers think they have to look like Kirsten Dunst. Yeah. You get like 16 year old girls who think they have to look like a fully grown woman. That's it's a problem. Sad. And boys who think they have to have an eight pack and like broad shoulders to be like teenagers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's a feminist issue. It is. Oh, yeah. Okay. One last thing I wanted to mention. I'm always mentioning one last thing. I know, right? Um, the RV Digital... This is a good one, though. The <laughs> RV Digital app lets you borrow comics through your local library. So all you have to do is sign up to your library. Um, I'm not sure if you can do that online, and it will be a little bit difficult with COVID, but libraries are opening up, so wear a mask and social distance. But once you've signed up, you can sign up to the RV Digital app and borrow comics. They have a 30-day limit as opposed to Libby's 14-day limit. So that's like two weeks extra time, which is pretty cool. You can also watch free films through Canopy, uh, Canopy with a K, and borrow audiobooks as well as regular books with Libby, Overdrive, and RB Digital. So support libraries. Listen to great books for free. Read comics. Go wild. Go wild. Well, I don't know about you, but like um, some of my best memories being a young teenager were like borrowing, borrowing out comics, comics from the library yeah. and being like, oh my God, I can buy this. I can borrow this X-Men book in the middle of buttfuck nowhere in Australia. Like, let's go. Um, but is that for like, which, is that every oh, country? Every country. Every single yeah, country. Every single, well, oh my I, God. I'm not sure if it's every single country, but, but when you sign up to your library, they um i was today years old when i realized i could go borrow some more comics from my library yeah yeah yeah. it's definitely australia and definitely a whole bunch of countries i'm not sure if like every single country but like a whole bunch and if you do want to um buy comics as well uh as you've got the finances to you want to do that way go buy local yeah small independent comic businesses there was one down at stone's corner burned down really and we had in cbd in brisbane we had secret identity comics yeah they were like women focused they employed only women and had like queer comics and everything and they had to shut because they couldn't make enough money and I was so sad because, like, me and my friend were single-handedly trying to, like, atlas this place up. Because we're like, yes! They should have bake sales and stuff. Yeah, but try not to buy, like, please give up. Don't give Amazon money. Oh, I know they're not. cheap, but, but that's because they're evil! They're evil. They're absolutely <laughs> evil. You are literally, if you, borrow, if you buy from Amazon, I'm not kidding, if you buy from Amazon, you are directly putting money into Jeff Bezos' pocket. Yeah. I will, like, I fucking hate Amazon, and I will fucking stand up for the fact that I hate Amazon. So support your local comic book shops. Local. And if you can't, support your libraries. Borrow online. Exactly. Okay? Right? Yes. Options. We understand that money's hard sometimes. Libraries are free. You can sign up to your library for free. A lot of forgiveness things at the moment too with COVID. So if you borrow something out or you feel like you have a 10-year-old book that you ran into the night and were afraid to ever confront your local library again, now's a good time to talk to them about their forgiveness schemes. And uh, digital stuff gets put back automatically. Yeah. And also return it when you finish finish reading it or listening to it. Yes. Please return it. Yes. So that other people can listen to it as well. 
All right. Where can yeah. everyone find us if they want to talk to us? Yes, Lisa? they can find us at Marvel's Pod on Twitter and Tumblr, and you can also email Dana at Marvel's Podcast at gmail.com. Please do. I, I really would love to hear from some of you. And I, I feel every week I say this, and I'm like, oh, I haven't had an email yet. I'm like, duh, because we're, <laughs> we're recording in advance. I am very silly, and I forget that every time. Yeah. What are we watching next week? We are watching. Fantastic Four. Oh. <laughs> hey, it's the Chris Evans. I hate Chris Evans. That's right. Uh, we've already talked about this as well, like some of the things in it. I'm sure they're oh, going to come up again. Yes. yes okay. All right. I guess until that, what's happening after? We're nearly oh, done with our season. Yes, we're nearly done. So after, uh, after Fantastic Four, we've got one episode left. And then we're done for the first season. Holy crap. And then we'll be taking a, a three-month break. And we'll come Thank back you. towards the end of the year. Yeah, about November. About November. When I start my master's. Ooh. Well, exciting. Then. Yeah. Very keen. It's going to be good. That's awesome. Okay. That's been an hour and we can stop this right, right now. Um, <laughs> and until next time, guys, uh, stay marvelous.